حج والعمره لله صدق الله مولانا who is our creator our sustainer our nourisher and greetings and salutations upon our noble master nabi muhammad mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam let us all recite the rosary for allahumma salli ala sayyidina muhammad wa ala ali sayyidina muhammad wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim alhamdulillah we all know and we all are familiar that many of our brothers family members who Alhamdulillah is preparing and getting ready for this great ibadat of Hajj. Some may have already left, some are preparing to leave. And some of us and many of us rather are making dua that Allah Ta'ala one day takes you and I as well. Say Ameen. So this is a great act of ibadat and it's a worship of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And we see from the very onset, the beginning of Ramadan, that Allah Ta'ala is preparing great ibadat and act of Hajj where we become the guest of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah ta'ala is the host. So Allah ta'ala, all those that are going for hajj, Allah ta'ala accept their hajj, grant them a hajj maqbool, hajj maburur. Allah ta'ala take them safety with afid, Allah ta'ala return them also completely forgiven. And also don't forget that those of us who are behind, who are not going for hajj, that we request them to make dua on our behalf, to seek forgiveness on our behalf because their duas are accepted. They are the, the guest of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nevertheless, we go back from the month of Ramadan, we find that in the month of Ramadan, just over a month or so back, that after the month of Ramadan had passed, when the Hilal of Eid of Shawwal, of Shawwal was cited, then the months of Hajj commenced. And in the months of Ramadan, we find that four pillars of Islam more or less filled in this month of Ramadan. All of us in the month of Ramadan, Alhamdulillah, the first pillar of Iman, we all are Muslims, we all have Iman. The month of Ramadan came, then the person, Alhamdulillah, we were performing our Salah, the second pillar of Islam was being fulfilled. Then many, Alhamdulillah, also the month of Ramadan, we are all fasting. The third pillar of, of, of Islam was fasting. And many of us also in the month of Ramadan, we fulfill our zakat, we discharge our zakat in the month of Ramadan. So we find these four pillars of Islam are fulfilled in this month of Ramadan. And then immediately after that, Allah Ta'ala now prepares us the pillar of Islam, the pillar of Hajj. Allah Ta'ala accept the Hajj, Allah Ta'ala take all of us for Hajj. Four pillars we have completed this last pillar, Allah Ta'ala accept and take each and one of us for Hajj. Now we find today, I just want to discuss that many of us will be going for Hajj and we need to prepare for like how any other travel that we are going for, any other ibadat a person prepares for it, person coming for salah also, we came for Jummah salah, we have to prepare for Jummah salah. People prepare on different levels. The people of the past, the ulama of the past, the pious people of the past, they would pre prepare days, some maybe the, on the witness day, Thursday, they will prepare getting ready for this great day of Yomul Jumu'ah. Some prepare, prepare, people will prepare the night before for Jummah. Some people will prepare in the morning of Jummah, but everybody is preparing for this great act, this ibadat of Jummah Salah. Uh, before we come into the masjid also, we are making wudu, we are making sure our clothes are clean. This is all in preparation for this great act. So similarly, we're going for such a great ibadat, such a great pillar is being fulfilled, the act of, of hajj. So here also we have to prepare ourselves. And the very first thing that a person has to prepare himself and make himself ready for this great act of ibadat of hajj is that his intention and his niyat has to be correct. This ikhlas and sincerity. We find Imam Bukhari rahimahullah that on his opening hadith, of the kitab of Bukhari Sharif, there he has brought this hadith. The very, very first hadith also is with regards to your niyat, our intention. When he was writing that kitab, 
the first hadith was, was of, of intention, that all our actions, that if the intention is correct, then inshallah we will gain the full reward of that action. That is why Allah Ta'ala in Quran and Majid also tells us uh, that the surah that all night surah mulk, ayyukum ahsanu amala. That on the day of Qiyamah, that which of you will come with the best of deeds? Not akhtaru amala, the most of deeds. No. Allah Ta'ala says ahsanu amala. That who of you will come with the best of actions, the best of deeds? And ulama explain what is meant by ahsanu amala, the best of deeds. That those of who of you will come with those actions with the most highest level of ikhlas and sincerity. Level of ikhlas and sincerity in that action. Those actions that were done for pride, for name and fame, that won't carry any weight on the day of qiyamah in the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here again we see ahsanu amala with ikhlas and sincerity. So this act of this worship and this act of hajj also, our intention has to be very, very clear and our intention has to be purely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I'm doing is solely for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ulama have categorized our a'mal and our ibadat. We have to understand what ibadat is this hajj. What an ordinary ibadat. That our a'mal and our ibadat can be categorized into three categories. One is a physical ibadat, like our salah, etc., which is physical. One is monetary, our sadaqah, our zakat. But they say hajj is that unique ibadat. Hajj is that worship which encompasses everything in it. Encompasses everything. The uniqueness of this ibadat of hajj is such that everything is encompassed in this one act. That a person has to give, has to be physical as well. Person has to spend his wealth as well. A person has to spend his health, his time, has to leave the comforts of his home, the comfort of his house, uh, the security of his family members, etc. He has to leave everything behind. He has to make sacrifice of everything. So this hajj is such an ibadat which encompasses everything. So it's coming back to this point of ikhlas. So in this act of hajj as well, ikhlas is of utmost importance. That our intention should be correct. And we find that act of our ibadat, we require ikhlas. But hajj is, the uniqueness of this quality of this ibadat of hajj is such that we find a person only has hajj is farz once in his lifetime. One sahabi of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Akrama bin Harith radiallahu ta'ala anhu, that once Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was explaining to sahaba with regards to hajj. And Nabi sallam explained and tells sahaba that hajj, is compulsory upon you. Hajj is farz and compulsory upon you. To the Sahabi of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi he poses this question and he asks Nabi sallallahu alaihi that is this Hajj compulsory every year or once in a lifetime? Hajj is compulsory every year or once in a lifetime. So Nabi sallam remains silent. So you ask this question for the second time. The second time also Nabi sallallahu alaihi remains silent. See after he asked the same question that once in a lifetime or every year it's compulsory. So on the third time when he asked this question, then Nabi sallallahu replied and told him, Lo Akrama, that Hajj is compulsory. But if I had to tell you that it's compulsory every year, then it would have become wajib on, on you every year to go for Hajj. And this would be very, very difficult. So he tells him that don't ask too many questions. Further goes on to tell the Sahabi, don't ask too many questions. Because this was the habit of the people of the past, that they would ask their prophets and their messengers many, many questions. And things became difficult for them and they became, it was destroyed like this also. Understand, Hajj is compulsory once in a lifetime. 
Now coming back to this point of ikhlas and sincerity, that our intention has to be correct. That before we go for hajj, we have to rectify our intention and our niyat. That all, yes, in every act of ibadat, we have to have ikhlas. But if a person is performing salah, for example, and is some type of riya, of show, he's doing, giving sadaqah also, uh, and there was no ikhlas in it, then he has a second opportunity. The next salah, he can improve. He can make tawbah. His next salah, he can rectify it. Uh, he can give sadaqah. He can give zakat. He can repeat it. And he can work on his ikhlas and his sincerity. That I did, I read my Zofajr salah for the for name and fame to show the people I'm in the masjid. But now he realizes his mistake. The next salah now he has ikhlas. He makes, works, makes effort on his ikhlas and sincerity to rectify his salah. And similarly his zakat or his fasting, etc. But hajj is this unique ibadat, an act of worship. That's farz only once in a person's lifetime. Now if this person goes for, for hajj and that ikhlas and that sincerity is not there. And now this person fulfills his hajj. Maybe his hajj will be fulfilled. But he will not get that reward for a hajj maqbool, a hajj mabrur. His farz hajj, it was tainted. That is why we see in the Quran and Majid also, when Allah Ta'ala speaks about hajj, then how Allah Ta'ala speak about hajj? That we must fulfill this act of hajj and umrah lillah for Allah Ta'ala. Whereas if Allah Ta'ala, our salah is for Allah Ta'ala, our fasting is for Allah Ta'ala. Our zakat is for Allah. Everything we do is for Allah Ta'ala. But Allah Ta'ala just specifically says, For Allah. Allah Ta'ala also says, that for Allah Ta'ala, this is ikhlas and sincerity, that this hajj must be solely for Allah Ta'ala. The hadith of Rasulullah also here to very, very clearly, Man hajja lillah. Allah, Nabi Salaam says, Man hajja lillahu we go for hajj. For Allah Ta'ala. But Nabi Salaam in this hadith also says, Man hajja lillah. Thereafter he says, Falam yarfus walam yafsuq raja'aka yawmin waladathu ummu. But the first thing is, Man hajja lillah. This ikhlas and this sincerity for Allah Ta'ala. That is why the hadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Nabi Salaam mentions that a time will come when people will go for hajj. But different, different reasons they will go for hajj. The rich and the wealthy, Nabi Salaam mentions the hadith, will go for hajj as a holiday. That last year we went to Turkey, or the previous year we went to London. This year we'll go for hajj. So last year our holiday was in Paris, and our holiday was in some other country. Then this year our holiday will be hajj. We'll go for hajj this year. So the wealthy amongst the ummah will go for hajj. Uh, as a holiday, the hadith of Rasulullah The average and the middle class, they will go for hajj for business purposes, uh, for business reasons. Hajj will become a business. The ulama, the learned, the scholars ones amongst the ummah, that they will go for hajj for name and fame. Islam explains every category. The poor will go, there won't be ikhlas anymore. There won't be ikhlas, a sincerity will come out. Such a great ibadat, once in a lifetime. A person can perform hajj day after, year in, year out. But it will never be the same as the farz hajj. It will be a nafil hajj. It will be something, a time will come when the ikhlas and the sincerity will come out. So this is the first thing. Ibn Hajar, alhamdulillah, rahimahumullah, he mentions one incident of a pious person. That when they, he went for hajj many, many times. Ibn Hajar, rahimahumullah, he lived in the 7th century, 700 A.H. years after Hijrat. So at that time, he said the per person went for Hajj many, many times. Several times he'd been for Hajj. And Hajj was done with walking for Hajj. They used to walk and go for Hajj. It wasn't so easy. It was very, very difficult. No such thing as just booking a ticket and then packing your bags, jumping on a flight. The journey used to take days, weeks, months on end. 
traveling by foot they used to make from home five days we say walking hajj the five days of hajj from azizia to mina mina to arafah to muzdalifah to mina we walked 10 12 k's but talking in that zamana in 700 a.h when they spoke about walking going for hajj then the person would leave his home walking going for hajj one week two weeks walking for hajj like this he says this person performs several hajj like this what qurbani what sacrifice so he mentions this incident and he says that this person on one occasion that his mother while he was relaxing he had retired to bed now at the end of the day at home relaxing at home and he had retired to bed and his mother asked him for a glass of water and this thought went through his mind i've already retired now when he gone to bed now i have to get up and i have to go to the tap fetch the water many a times all of us should think to ourselves how many times that we do this oh i've already closed up now oh i'm already lying down now i've already retired now. i'm relaxing now could know i went to relax or went to lie down so he mentions that his mother asked him for a glass of water and he had already relaxed went to bed and he was relaxing and this thought crossed his mind that I've already retired to bed now get up go to the tap but his mother asked for water so he gets up he goes he fetches the water from the tap wherever it is and he goes and he gives it to his mother and he comes back and then he starts thinking to then he starts thinking as introspecting looked at his heart and he thinks to himself that I went for so many hajj and as we explain how the hajj was at the time you had to walk hundreds if not thousands of kilometers by foot at so far distance i travel for hajj year in year out how many hajj i have performed like this today my mother asked me for a glass of water i just had to take few steps and i found it difficult but to go for that hajj i never found it difficult to travel those hundreds and thousands of kilometers by foot i never found it difficult but here just to get up and fetch that glass of water sometimes in our house maybe just 10 meters but we find it difficult so he looks into his heart and he asks himself this question that for who did i do that hajj all those years and he says probably i can see there's a stench and there's a smell of riya and pride and name and fame and then immediately he makes toba and he asks for forgiveness and he realizes that this hajj was for allah taala and similarly this acts are also for allah taala so this is what it has to be man hajja lillah that person who performs a hajj solely for the pleasure of allah taala we make dua that all of us who go for hajj and umrah that this hajj and umrah must be solely for the pleasure of allah subhanahu wa taala So this is the first thing we have to rectify. And as I have mentioned, this is not only for those that are preparing for Hajj. This is for every single one of us that we all have to bring ikhlas into our a'mal. Otherwise, on the day of Qiyamah, it will carry no weight. Whether it's our salah, whether it's our sadaqa, whether it's our good deeds, whatever it is, this ikhlas is of paramount importance. Allah Taala first grant me that ikhlas in whatever we are doing, and grant each one of us this ikhlas. So this is the first thing a person should prepare with ikhlas and sincerity. That I'm going for Hajj for the pleasure of Allah Taala, and then you will see how because whatever difficulties come in front of me, that I should remember I'm doing Hajj for Allah Taala. Like how Alhamdulillah, Rahimahullah mentions that he so many Hajj, so many thousands of kilometers he traveled, but he never found it difficult. why for the pleasure of allah taala so this is the first thing we need to rectify is our a'mal our our intention our niyyah the second thing which is extremely important also that when a person is going for hajj for umrah and every act of worship of ibadat as i mentioned it's not specifically for hajj and umrah but every act of ibadat the second thing ulama is important when a person is a person is saving a lot of money sometimes entire life saving towards hajj and umrah that we have to ensure and make sure that our earnings and our income is from halal source otherwise this will defy the entire objective whether it's hajj whether it's our zakat whether it's our food at home that we have to ensure that it is from halal sources the hadith mentioned that nabi sa mentions one hadith 
That a person leaves his home and he takes on this journey to go for Hajj. And he leaves his home now and he's proceeding towards Hajj. And an angel exclaims, makes an announcement, Banada Munadim Minas Sama. An angel, a caller call out from the heavens. And he says that your earnings are haram, addressing this Haji green for Hajj. But this applies to every one of us, as I'm saying repeatedly. Because you do not feel that, so it's not addressed to me. Every one of us, Banada Munadim Minas Sama. The caller calls out from the heavens that your earnings come, your income is of haram. Uh, the clothing, your conveyance that you are traveling on is haram. The clothing that you are wearing is haram. Uh, the food that you are concerned, consuming is haram. That your hajj is rejected, your hajj is not accepted. A person puts so much of effort. As we said, sometimes a person's lifetime is saving. But if it, that earnings of that person is contaminated, then this was the hadith of Rasulullah and like this, all our ibadat, persons that hadith or hadith Qudsi, Nabi Islam mentions, the person, hadith Qudsi, that is making dua to Allah Ta'ala, this haji will be on the plains of Arafat, lifting his hands, making dua. Nabi Islam mentioned that hadith, that, وَمَلْبَسَهُ حَرَامٌ وَمَطْوَغَهُ حَرَامٌ Everything is haram. That how is this dua going to be accepted? How is dua going to be accepted? Extremely important. Allah Ta'ala in Quran and Majid also addresses Ya Ayyuhar Rusul, Kulu mina tayyibati wa'amalu saliha. That our a'mal, our actions have a direct link and connection to our income and what we consume. Allah Ta'ala says, Ya Ayyuhar Rusul, Kulu mina tayyibat. Eat from that which is halal, wholesome and halal. وَعْمَلُوا صَالِحًا Then do good deeds. So there's a direct link and connection that if you are nourishing our body with haram sources and income and food, then it will have a direct effect on our a'mal, on our actions. So this is something very, very important that we have to ensure that our earnings and our income also some halal sources, especially on this journey of hajj. The third thing, very quickly, that when a person embarks on this great journey of hajj, that we find many a times a person, uh, he drops his guards, the guards of his eyes. I'm repeatedly saying this for every point that applies to every single one of us. But more important that we are the guest of Allah Ta'ala, how much more precautionary measures must we take? We are embarking on this great journey of Hajj. We must ensure that we make hifazat of our eyes. This leads to many, many other disasters and other sins. We see it in our own, during our own stay at home also. Leave traveling for Hajj. We see what is the outcome of this when a person does not protect his eyes. What happens? Now imagine you are in the Mubarak lands. A person is in the Haram Sharif, in front of Baytullah, Mubarak months, Mubarak days. Mubarak land, it's a Mubarak time, standing in the front of the house of Allah Ta'ala while making tawaf and people are not lowering and protecting their gazes. How we accept to get that hajj, that acceptance of that hajj? That is why Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he mentioned that hadith, man hajja lillah, that that person who makes hajj for the pleasure of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, it dots to Allah specifically after that said, falam yarfus walam yafsuk. That we stay, that person has to stay away together with his niyat being in place. Together with his niyat being in place, he has to stay away from every type of disobedience towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he will get the reward of that. He will return. He will return back like the day his mother gave birth to him. No sins. But together with his intention being correct, that he has to ensure he stays away from every type of vice and evil. So this protection and the hifazat of the eyes. And this... And inshallah, if a person protects his eyes, he will be safeguarded from many, many different types of sins and gunas. On one occasion, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Abdullah bin Abbas radiallahu anhu, mentioned this was the time 
And Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam was traveling from Muzdalifa back to Mina, and he was on his conveyance. As Abdullah bin Abbas says, the Nabi sallallahu was on his conveyance, and seated behind him was his younger brother, Fadl ibn Abbas His younger brother. And he says, my brother was very, very handsome. He was younger than me. He was a young boy. He was very handsome. And he was sitting behind Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, And they were traveling towards Mina. And he says, one lady, one woman came with a masala, with a question regarding hajj. Remember, Nabi sallallahu performed one hajj. So in that hajj, sahaba were asking many questions. Because if they missed it, they missed it. Obviously, they did not know this would be Nabi sallallahu last hajj. But now the first time they are experiencing hajj with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, they don't know whether they will experience another hajj. So sahaba were asking questions. And this is how today you and I, we have the whole kitab, al-hajj, etc. So one, one lady, one woman came up to Nabi sallallahu alayhi and she asked a question regarding her father, who was, elder, was an elderly person. He had the means, the wealth to go for hajj. But due to his health, his conditions, he was not well, he was sick. So she was asking, what is the masla regarding that? But nevertheless, the point I want to make note of, that Hazrat Fazal bin Abbas was sitting behind Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this lady is speaking to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Hazrat Abdullah bin Abbas, his elder brother, is narrating this. And he says, I noticed this woman, this young lady, looking at my brother, Hazrat Fazal bin Abbas. As you said, he was younger and he was good looking. Brother, and he says, I looked at my brother and I noticed that he was looking at her. Sounds very familiar. That eye contact is very dangerous. For many of us, this is a very, very familiar case, familiar situation that eye contact. So he says, I saw her looking at my brother and I saw my brother looking at her. And he says that Nabi sensed and realized that something was happening. So he looked at Hazrat Fazl bin Abbas ta'ala anhu, and he asked him, what are you doing? What are you looking at? And he turned his face away from me. Hazrat Fazl bin Abbas anhu, he took his face and he turned it away, uh, moving his gaze away from that person, that lady. So the point to make note here is that this happened in the time of Sahaba as a lesson for you and I. And it can happen here, it will happen, and it will happen in the time of the Western lands of Hajj, during the times of Hajj as well. So we have to take precaution. When we face such things, then we have to lower our gazes. That is why Allah Ta'ala in Quran and Majid, as we mentioned, we first look and thereafter we see the disaster. But looking and glancing is the first sin. And that sin leads to many and many other vices. That is why Allah Ta'ala also in Quran and Majid, has linked immediately looking and thereafter zina. Allah Ta'ala addresses the, the, the believing men separately that protect, lower your gaze, protect your gaze. And immediately Allah Ta'ala says, and protect your chastity. Because this leads to that. When a person will not protect his gaze, then he will end up in adultery and fornication. So Allah Ta'ala immediately after lowering your gaze, He says, Allah Ta'ala and protect your private parts and protect your chastity as well. The same ayat together. And thereafter, Allah Ta'ala addresses the believing woman separately with the same thing. That the believing woman also, they must lower their gazes and also protect their chest. Because this is fornication. How important is it? Time is already up. But just one important point also we find that amongst us South Africans as well, uh, that we go for Hajj, that we are going with the travel agent and we are going with a group. We generally go for Hajj with a group. And then we are traveling as a group. And we are staying in the same hotel, sometimes we are sharing rooms as a group, a group, four or five people sharing one room, and we are traveling together, etc. And when we come back from Hajj, we always hear this famous saying amongst our South Africans, I don't know whether other countries or not, 
But this is my Haji Bai and this is my Haji Ben. A very, very familiar words when we come back. And what happens? We tend to drop and lower our guards. And we feel that the laws of hijab and parda fall away. That this is my Haji Bai and my Haji Ben, so there's no need for parda. There's no need of protecting our gazes. While we're in Hajj, we drop it also. There's no such thing as this. We, don't, we do not become mahram for those women and they don't become mahram for us. The laws of Sharia still apply. There is no such thing like this. And unfortunately, many a times after Hajj, this continues. Having get-togethers and there's no parada. Why Mahaji bin that is? Mahaji bai. How sad it is that a person went for such a great act and ibadat of Hajj. Fulfill this right of Hajj, this pillar of Islam, which is farz and compulsory once in a lifetime. And now he's coming back from Hajj, where the hadith says if he done it correctly, without any sins and wrongdoings, then he'll come back like the day his mother gave birth to him. That's how it's supposed to be. But how unfortunate it is now. A person is coming back from those blessed lands. But he's coming back with a new sin that he never had when he went for Hajj. How sad it is. That before going for Hajj, there was no such thing as any Hajibai, Hajibin and this Parada, etc. But after going for Hajj now, Bai and Hajibin, now no need for Parada, no need for lowering our gazes. And we come back with this burden on our shoulders. So let us be very, very careful. Yes, the ladies amongst the ladies, that is fine. And the men amongst the men. But there's no such thing as this. The laws of Sharia apply. And we have to be very, very careful about this. This is how shaitan beautifies our a'mal. That shaitan will beautify our a'mal and make it such that it's okay what we are doing. Haji came away there, so it's fine. This is my sister, we went for hajj together. This is my brother, we went for hajj together. Let us understand. And this is not permissible. The laws of hijab, this applies across the boards. Allah Ta'ala grant us tawfiq, Allah Ta'ala grant us understanding. And one last point before we end off, that we'll be going for hajj and umrah, whether it's there, whether it's here, let us value our time. Because this time is extremely valuable, it'll never come back again. Let us value every moment of it. Nu'man bin Bashir rahmatullah alayhi, Imam Abu Hanifa rahmatullah alayhi mentioned that when he had the opportunity of going into the Baytullah, into the Kaaba itself, in one night he completed the entire Quran and Majeed. When they asked him how it was done, he said the first 15 paras, one rakat, I stood on one leg. The second 15 paras, I stood on the second leg, second rakat. They valued the time. We are going for one week, two weeks, 10 days, 15 days, six weeks. Let us value every moment of our time. Whether it's here, whether it's there, life is short. And end of the one example that Mulan Yusuf used to give at the time of Hajj, that when we all come back, whether it was Hajj, whether it's Umrah, when you ask that person, how was your Hajj, how was your Umrah? They tell you, Alhamdulillah, it was very good, I enjoyed it, it was so nice. Nobody will tell you that Hajj was not nice. Person of the lowest of Iman also, he, he maybe has some challenges, whatever it is, but he will never tell you, I did not enjoy my Hajj. I never cross, come across anybody who told me that. No matter what challenges he faced during that journey of his, he'll come back, what a hajj it was. Allah Ta'ala, take me over and over again, he will say. I make dua, I go back. But the question to ask that person or ask ourselves, not how your hajj was, but how was your host towards you? Was your host happy with your hajj? In Makkah Sharif, our host is Allah Ta'ala. We are the guest of Allah Ta'ala. Was Allah Ta'ala my host happy with me in Makkah? In Medina Sharif, our host was Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Was my host, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, happy with me in Medina Al-Munawwara?
We have to ask the questions. Like a person who gives somebody his flat and he goes for a holiday. And tell him, there's my flat, you can stay there for two weeks, enjoy your holiday. After this person goes for this holiday, is over, he comes back. You ask him, how was his holiday? Hey, fantastic. What a view. Good, had a good time. Enjoy this holiday. But now you ask the host that you gave that person, you invited him to stay in your flat. How was it? He came to your flat, enjoyed himself. How was it? If the host has to tell you, that never again will I give this person the keys to my flats. When I went there after that, I saw the babies, nappies and diapers lying around. He ate the dishes, the, the sink was full of dirty dishes. The children had scribbled on the walls. The taps were running and he broke this, broke that. The host was not happy. Will he ever give that person the keys again to his flats? So we have to ask that question to each one of us. That my host in Makkah was Allah Ta'ala. When I came back, was Allah Ta'ala happy with me? Did I fulfill every command of Allah Ta'ala in Makkah? Did I bring back the obedience and the itaat of Allah Ta'ala from the, from the Haram Sharif, from Makkah Sharif? From Munawara, was my Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi happy with me? My host, he was my host, was he happy with me? When I came back from Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, from Madinatul Munawara, did I bring the akhlaq and the sunnah of Rasulullah Sallallahu back with me? These are the wealth and the things we bring back from this blessed lands. Allah Ta'ala accept all the hujjads that are going. Allah Ta'ala grant them a hajj maqbool, hajj mabroor. Allah Ta'ala take them with safety, with afiyat. Allah Ta'ala accept their duas, their ibadah, their tawaf, their hajj, their umrah, etc. And Allah Ta'ala make it a means of salvation for them, for us and the entire ummah. And Allah Ta'ala make it a means of attracting His mercy and His rahmat.